You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazi. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 96 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. We are here uh, this holiday season. In fact, it is Christmas Eve as we record, and and probably when I'll release it. So, uh, you know, it's been a rough couple of weeks for us Besiktas fans. So here's a little Christmas gift for you listeners, something to... uh, Listen to, uh, you know, if, if you're with your family during this season, you know, uh, trying to think of some excuse to, to phase them out for a little while. Put on your headphones. Put on your headphones. Uh, here we go for episode 96. I am, of course, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. And today, my co-host, back from the nether regions, it's Evron Akman. How you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Good, good. Um, you won't know this, but in post-production, we're gonna have Christmas bells and everything. So oh. this is big. This is our big Christmas episode. Wow, exciting! <laughs> the Muslim soccer team's Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, sorry, weird noises there. Um, of course, uh, Jesus is is a, is a pretty big character in. Uh, the Muslim world as well, to be fair. But uh, I am not religious at all. <laughs> I do have a Christmas tree, however, and I have a ton of presents from my kids. So uh, it's a—I don't really know. It's like a, it's like a nothing period for me personally. But anyway, for those out there who are enjoying it, you do that. You do you. Um, yeah, boy, we, we don't have a lot of good news to talk about here, Evron, do we? Not really. Not too many. Uh... Not too many presents no. from our uh, from our favorite team. No, no. Uh, perhaps in the news section we can talk about some potential gifts, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, yeah, but before we get into any of that, and it's it's speculation. And I'm talking about Bernard Mensah and uh, lobbying to the TFF uh, for some justice. But uh, what we do have for sure are some matches to talk about. And we're going to revert to our new format and kind of uh, quickly talk about some of the older matches and then really focus in on the most recent match, uh, the big one, of course, being the Derby. But so we're going to talk about our match against Yeni Malatyaspor, the match in the Turkish Cup against 24 Erzincanspor, uh, and then, of course, uh, the big Derby, as I said, which we'll focus in on with stats and all of that. But... Uh, first, just to get this one out of the way, because it was probably the least significant, we've got the Turkish Cup match. Uh, it's, it's important to note that Besiktas had come into this match with a 3-0 aggregate lead, so things were looking pretty good, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, before I talk about the score and how that worked itself out, I will mention the starting lineup, which was, as you might expect, not full of stars. Uh, at, the, at the back line, we had Utku Yuvakuran again, Kerem Kalafat on the right side, uh, Ridvan Yilmaz on the left side of defense, Erdogan Kaya and Nejip Uysal on the back line. Uh, in the midfield, we had Muhayer Oktay and Erdem Sechkin, Orkan Chinar with a return, uh, Ozan, Ozyakup, of course, would come into the match as something of a number 10. Tyler Boyd on the right side and Mehmet Umut Nair up front. Um, thoughts on the lineup, Evran? Um, I mean, it was basically what we expected. Uh, just a, a full a B slash C, right? 
Yeah. So basically, what we were playing in the Europa League, um, minus one or two players, uh, and then we got to see Orkan get another chance. It's been a while since we've seen him. Muhayera got to start a game, which for some, well, not for some reason, because he wasn't in the Europa League squad, so that's why he hasn't been able to play because he's not a youth player. Yeah. So youth players can be brought in even if they're not in the squad. So he hasn't played in too many games at all. So that this was kind of like his opportunity, and then. Good old Nejip and Ozan and Tyler Boyd, so. Yeah, a couple returnees. I mean, yeah, I suppose Nejip Ozan would be the real vet in the squad, leading yeah. the team to, to glory, <laughs> you could say. Um, I get Ozan, I mean, to be fair, he was a, a captain for a while, so. Yeah, interestingly enough, in this game, I'm, you probably didn't watch because it was at 5 a.m. Eastern, but... uh. I braved the storm and actually Umut Nair was the captain. Whoa, how about even that? Though we, yeah, even though we had Ozan and Egypt on the field, it was interesting. Yeah, and so I this is this is an important side note, in fact, uh, what you just mentioned. So this match came on at 5 a.m. here in New York City or on the eastern seaboard of the United States where you two are, everyone. And uh, yes. I was trying the bold maneuver of... Uh, Assuming I was still young enough to pull an all-nighter, uh, 5 a.m. was going to be a tough wake-up for me. Uh, I, I had the next, I had that day off, so I, I was going out that evening for a little bit, uh, and so I thought I could, you know, brave the storm and, and ride it out the whole night, and maybe just like pass out at 7 a.m. for like two or three hours or something like that, and then you know, just be tired for a day. But sure enough, I, I couldn't do it. I ended up passing out on my couch at 2 a.m. And then the funny thing is that my wife and child thought it was a funny that I had done it. And as a joke, like kind of didn't even wake me up. So I ended up like sleeping on the couch till like noon. It was, ugh, it was awkward. And I had a bad back, you know, anyway. Uh, but, but rough, rough times. yeah, yeah, it's the couch isn't suited for sleeping. Um, anyway, but, so, you made it up. You you actually braved the storm. Yeah. And so, what are your what are your comments? I mean, we won't dwell on it too much because I will, you know, throw it out there now. We lost the match two nil. Uh, again, we had the three nil aggregate, so all in all, it counts as a win, I guess. But uh, how did it go? What did it look like? <laughs> Well, I wish I didn't get up at 5 a.m. to watch to watch that. If we're being honest, um, any bright spots? I mean, not really. Arizona John's a fourth division team. I'll say they're a good fourth division team, but are they looking for promotion? They're a fourth Could they maybe be a third division yeah, team? maybe, but they're still a fourth division team. So you would expect. Like, I mean, even if know, they were a third division team, it's not like that would be the yeah. <laughs> so um. I wouldn't say anyone really looked good. Uh, Orkan Chanar looked particularly bad. Nice. Um, like, really bad. Um, Umut Naya was pretty isolated. He hit the crossbar at one point on one of his only chances. Uh, okay. <laughs> Muhaya got subbed out in the 15th minute, <sighs> which is a bit odd. Um, for, and then the subs were Vida, Lens, and Diaby, so he subbed on all like the starters. But yeah, I saw that. I mean, Lens, Lens made a bit of a difference, but nothing crazy. Um, I would have liked to see Kartal Kaira, Yulmaz get a chance, but... Yeah, I wondered about that. Well, he must have that been didn't happen. He was, um, he was even played unironically, right? Uh, in an actual match yeah. at one point. So it was sort of weird that he didn't feature here. Maybe they're yeah. saving him for the real thing, but it, it didn't turn out to be true, as we now know. But overall, um, no one really stood out for good. There's only players who... Uh, probably killed their careers if anything because i don't think Wakan will ever see the field again but um what about boy Muhayer? how did Muhayer them, look he looked okay um he didn't stand out bad or good same thing he was pretty much similar to ozan which is i guess not good or bad you know completed his passes but didn't really uh stand out you know yeah and you would expect against a fourth division team he could he could period stand period, out more. Yeah. but same with boy umut um Utkulo made a couple of good saves. What about? But nothing. I mean, so the one thing you'd say about like Boyd or even Ozan or even Muhayir, I guess, is like guys like Joman Gojvida, uh, Jermaine Lenz, Diaby, right? Like you said, Jermaine Lenz actually maybe maybe had a positive contribution. But there there are some actual starters 
for our Super yeah. League team who played that, in that came back came in the 60th minute. And like Umut Nair even right like he's he's featured yeah, for, Nair for played quite minutes. a bit in, in the Super League. So yeah, uh, it's more problematic that guys like that weren't the difference makers perhaps. But interesting, interesting yeah. result. I, I mean, I think you can also put mentality and psychology in, in, at work here. Uh, these guys knew that they had a three-goal cushion, and they saw that they were basically playing with amateurs, <laughs> uh, relatively speaking. So, um, I mean, I guess you would say like the facilities. It was like the type of stadium that they were playing. It wasn't really a stadium. It was just um, there was a stand only on one side of the field, and there you had people standing around the field, nice, like behind the fence. So it was kind of like equivalent to like a college facility yeah, it probably in felt the US. like a training match you know but it wasn't like a sunday league field the the pitch was fine so and they they still had stuff to prove most of them not most all the players except for nejip i would say had something to prove because yeah, i don't even, think it matters what nejip does Nedjip to some extent right as far as proving he can like lead <laughs> lead guys and <laughs> tell them what to do uh, lead the back line Cause like I mean, I feel like Nedjip can score six own goals. So he'll be fine. No one really somehow, cares. He's just, yeah. he's just there. So but everyone else had something to prove, and no one really proved anything. So I think it was just a disappointing result all around. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, any any final comments before we move on? Is there? Uh, we haven't been drawn against our next opponent yet, right? For the sixth. Uh, round. We have. We yeah. have. We got yeah, Erzurum. Erzurum. Who just for... got relegated to the. Second division, yeah. So we're still playing against the second division side, which means these young kids could still have an opportunity to uh, impress, yeah. you'd imagine, you hope. One of the stronger second division teams. They're currently one point outside the top two, so. I mean, I'd be willing to bet we're still going to see maybe less of a C team and more of a B team, but definitely a B team. I mean, we have less Europa League games. Well, not less. We have no Europa Yeah, we're out of games, that. So. That's done. Um. We'll probably see. It's going to be during the transfer season, so maybe one or two new players will have came in. Maybe. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's grim. Uh, yeah, and, and, and a lot of the starters need rest and recuperation, more specifically, right? Because they've been nursing various injuries, like Burak, right? The, the yeah. linchpin is out again. Um. Which yeah, and he's had a very disappointing. Yeah, season. that game is January fourteenth. So we'll have our last competitive game is the twenty seventh, and then we have a break. Yeah, yeah, so we'll talk about theoretically. The everyone should be healthy. Theoretically, uh, you're right. So we did. We got uh, BB Erzurum Spore specifically, not the. Uh, are they the? Are, did they consume the original Erzurum Spore? I think we've had this conversation on air because they were in the. They've been around. <sighs> Not from what I've known them, which is like two, three years, just because I remember old youth player SLM was on loan there. They were as a did back then too. So I don't know back 20, 20, 30 years. I'm not that old um, to be following the lower leagues. Well, but, no, because um, Erzurum Sport historically had, uh, you know, a kind of decent fan base. You know, they're a team yeah. that's had a history. But uh, I don't know if... The kind of you know Belediye, the the city represent the municipality is the original team, or I mean yeah. you know how that goes with the, some of those smaller teams. Sometimes if one team rises, they kind of eat up the other one. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. So. Yeah, I mean that, that could be research done. We will talk about that as that approaches. I'll do my research. Uh, but there is only one match between here and there. Well, I don't. Let, let's talk about the past before we go into the future. I guess. Uh, let so let's go back to the Super League and so we're going to go beyond back even further past the Erzincan Spore match and talk about Yeni Malatya um, we've we spoke about that match before the game um, a little bit Yeni Malatya has had you know kind of an interesting season so it has you could you would hardly be able to call it like a wash for them um, you know they came into the season or they came in, into our match rather uh, on something of a lull I think you know they, they had been hot for a while and had actually gone pretty high in the in the Super League but they had dropped free prior to our match um, I'm trying to pull up some stats here my phone is being a 
bit of a jerk. Yeah, earlier in the season they were in the Europa League qualifying and they fell on a bit of a heartbreaker to Partizan. And then um, they were kind of upper mid-table for a while and then the last yeah, couple so they... games they had four ties in a row going in to the Steve Oz game right before us. So they didn't win the last five games before they played. Yes, yeah, so that's what I had recall. The they, they, they'd been on a lull, yeah. um, but obviously still probably hoped to salvage, you know, to get back to where they had been earlier in the year, you know, on a bit of a high still from it, I would imagine. Um, I will say now, a few weeks in advance, uh, they are in eighth place. So they're, you know, they're still within striking distance of the European spot. Yeah. Five points outside the top four, which is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we'll go further into the table, of course, at the end of all of this. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, that Yanni Malatya match. Now, what I have to do, obviously, is talk about the lineups, uh, as always. So, yeah, going into this match, we had almost a full-strength side. Um, most of our injuries were resolved. The important one, of course, being Burak Yilmaz. The obvious absence was, of course on the back line in the way of Victor Ruiz, who, I mean, to be fair, we've been without for most of the season thus far, it feels like. Uh, but so the lineup was Loris Kairos in the goal, Gokan, Gonul, and Rebocho on the left side with Dom, uh, Domagos Vida and Enzo Rocco on the back line, Atiba Hutchinson and El Neni in the back of our midfield with Adem Lijajic in the number 10 role, John Air Erkin on the left side and Diaby on the right, with Burak Yilmaz up front. Burak was back. Um, for Ankara Guju, of note, maybe we could talk about Yahovic. Fofana. Is it, Fofana is a player I've admired from afar yeah. for a while. Guillerme is also. Yeah, Guillerme has been been around the Turkish League, so kind of successful in certain ways. They've got Mina, the, uh, I think mm-hmm. Colombian central defender. Uh, so, you know, a few names. Farnole is their keeper, actually, who played, I guess you could say, well against us anyway. I don't know much about him all in all. Uh, one note I will make for Ankara Guju is they have Erkan Kash on their bench. And another familiar face for some, Gokan Ture plays for them. Did you know that? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you were a fan, I believe, right? So... Yes, I, I was a big uh, Contreras supporter. He didn't even feature in the match. They didn't even bring him in. Yeah. Um, so, again, we're not going to do too much analysis or talk of this one. We're uh, going to focus on the next one. But, yeah, we lost 2-0. Uh, TFV scored in the 85th minute. And Yahovic, who I mentioned, yeah, scored TV in Bifuma. the 9th. Say what? TFV Bifuma scored in the 85th minute. Yeah, and Bifuma. Yeah, it says Bifuma on the shirt, but... Uh, and Jaovic scored in the ninth minute of extra time on a penalty uh, to, to just add insult to injury, I suppose. Jeez, uh, what? Any thoughts on this one? Well, um, we completely blew this game. Uh, it was like I, I just have to. I, I said we weren't going to deep dive into this, by the way, statistically. Yeah. I, just do wanna, I, I need to mention that we had one shot on target. Yeah. 12 shots in total, but just one on target. And again, 67% possession. So possession does not win you match. And Malatya had four uh, shots, including the penalty. So it's right. Uh, and three, only three on target. Three shots on target, two goals. Yeah, classic FIFA. Uh, ruthless, um. ruthless efficiency. Yeah, that's the kind of game where you like hit the reset button. <laughs> that's not realistic. That's not fair. That's not how football goes. Uh, uh, unless it does, I guess, right? Well, yeah, so in this game, we were pushing for, like, that winner the whole time. Yeah. And then in the 84th minute, uh, Abdul Abjad made this interesting substitution where he was like, let me take off a defensive midfielder, El Neni, and sub on Guven Yalcin, which is probably the most disastrous substitution in the past, I would say, five seasons. I don't. I don't think I can remember, remember any worse substitution this in my life because. Yeah, for Rebocho, he put on <laughs> Guven Yalcin. Um, no, for El Neni for Guven. Rebocho was Umut Nayir, so there was. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so I suppose what he did though was he switched Lyayet to the wing, John Air to left back, and so we were playing a four-four-two. 
it actually turned into a 4-2-4. So we had um, Lenz on the right, and then we had Burak Umut up top, and then Kivan was like the left winger with their two center mids as Atiba and Lajic. So 4-4-2, 4-2-4. Right. But um, Kivan was dropping back, which was awful. Because one minute after it came on, yeah, he dropped back into the box, and Tiavi Bifuma completely wrecked and him. utterly destroyed him. He just started cutting back like shimmying side to side and Guven actually fell over in basketball that's, um, they say that's like ruining a man's yeah. career like that should yeah. that should end it uh, and then he cut back and hit a curling effort from the corner of the box after lovely shot I'll over. give him credit for it you know yeah and then in the 90 plus 8 he then fouled Bifuma in the box very stupidly so yeah giving them the game penalty. was just completely through the way of the game in the last 10 minutes and then John Air got a red card second yellow arguing with the riff after the penalties, that was just a disaster. A game that should have been either a 0-0 tie or a 1-0 win. We somehow lost. Yeah, and I remember he, he when he took out Jermaine Lenz, Jermaine Lenz had been a sort of bright spot for us up to that point. So I, I, He subbed on Jermaine Lenz in that game for Diaby. Oh, sorry, Diaby had been a bright spot. And so I, yeah. I had... Uh, gosh, my brain is semi-functional. I mean, cause to be fair, this was like three weeks ago. Two weeks ago. But, um, yeah. Diaby had been something of a bright spot. Obviously, like that final touch is always a little suspect with him, but he had looked energetic and lively, and and um, Germain Lenz was the opposite. So that move kind of angered me first, and then you know, obviously the Guven. I mean, the the theme here, uh, and this will carry through, I think, um, for our next match that we're going to talk about, but. Has and, and it's been the theme for much of the season so far. Abdul Abdi's substitutions are daft and terrible and illogical, and I fail to understand them every <coughs> single time. I, there have been very few substitutions he's made that I have liked. Uh, the only one that I can really speak to that like I was wrong about was I remember he put on Umut Nair once, which and I was sort of upset about. The sub and and he ended up probably the custom pusher game. Yeah, and he ended up scoring right after. But like he put him on for a guy twice, yeah, for like a defender, you know. And it changed the for, again. It was it seemed like the wrong move, but it panned out. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, he did the exact same substitution pattern actually versus um, custom push up where he just uh, in the 60th minute he subbed on Umut Nair for Diaby and then in the 70th minute he subbed on Lenz for Boko so it was the same thing yeah. just a different order John I went back to left back in the 84th minute and then he also subbed out El Neni for Guven but at that point we were playing a man up for 70 plus minutes yeah so it's a different context so it was a little different very different context and uh, Umut Nair I mean the, uh, I, you know how Umut Nair is it's like it, putting him on is never like a master stroke he just if he, if he scores, he just happens to be in the right place at the right time. And and, and like it's never like a, a masterful touch or anything. He just does his job. And so, you know, credit to him for that and for being in the right place at the right time. But um, I, I remember that was a Jermaine Lenz who'd actually really made that goal. The, the, well, anyway, regardless, yeah, terrible substitutions resulting in uh, very clearly this time. Because, again, Guven Yachin came in a minute later. Guven Yachin gave up the goal. And then a few minutes later, he gave them a second goal. So, I mean, he... Whew, that's going to be hard for him to recover from. He hasn't played since. His, he didn't play in the cup game, which was after this. And not to spoil, but he didn't play in the Fenerbahce game either, which he probably would have played in if he didn't completely embarrass himself. Yeah. I mean, so. that poor guy is probably just about done. My cuckoo clock, you hear that? Um, it's getting super annoying, honestly. I'm about, I'm about to turn the sound off on it. Like It was cute for about uh, two weeks. Uh, anyway, so yes, let's let's go to the feature event. We're, wow, we might actually keep this episode to sing. I always say that, and then we end up talking about, like, arguing about something dumb for, like, two hours. And so I have to do all this work and post to, to make these episodes consumable. But anyway, the big match. So that was obviously a terrible result, Yeni Malatia. We, Khan and I had spoken to the fact that we needed at least six points out of the final three matches. Um, <coughs> four at the bare minimum. Uh, and we had chalked up Fener as an L. And so we were really, it was all about winning against Yeni Malatia. And uh, in this coming match, upcoming match against Genschler, which 
we'll be back to talk about next week. But, um, you know, so obviously losing against Yanni Malatya, that was a dent. And it put a little pressure on us to try to hopefully get a result against Fener. And this one I'm not going to spoil. We'll do the whole, you know, we'll, we'll go through all the match events and all of that uh but so yeah let's let's get into it at the very least uh we'll talk lineups so Besiktas featured Loris Karius in the goal Enzo Rocco and Doma Gajvida again on the back line with Gokan Gonul and Robosho on the wings of the defense Atiba Hutchinson and El Neni in the back of our midfield this time no Lijic Diaby would feature behind the striker uh, in more of a central forward role, Jermaine Lenz and Jana Erkin on the wings, Jana on the left, obviously. And Burak Yilmaz would be healthy enough to play against Fener. Uh, Victor Ruiz was actually on our bench in this match, which is interesting. I was pretty sure he could not play or was, was sort of out at least until January, so. Maybe hope for Gensler. Uh, he did practice with the team. There were images of him doing so. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what were your thoughts about this one, Evron? The lineup specifically. Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't a good lineup. Um, I understand that a lot of people didn't want Lyage to play, but she hasn't been informed. But I don't think anyone else has been in good enough. Another form note, by the to, way. Um, uh, not only was Victor Ruiz. Uh, in practice, you know, uh, with the squad much, for much of the week prior, but also George Kevin and Kudu uh, had mm-hmm. been in, you know, with with the squad playing uh, for much of the week. Yeah. So I, I you know, Besiktas put out an image on, I think that Wednesday, uh, with both of them uh, training. So they could have even returned before that Wednesday. But so they had at least you know two days with the team training before that match. So them not featuring, maybe an interesting. I'm I'm gonna assume at uh, with Object the hopefully we're a modern enough club where they wear those heart monitors and they could assess that their match fitness was not at 90 minutes. So I'm assuming coming back from injury that's why they didn't start. I'm gonna hope. Otherwise, if they were 90 minute fit and they chose not to play, that was if Enzo Rocco has uh, played yeah. his, his way uh, above Victor Ruiz. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not an Enzo Rocco hater. I think he's fine, honestly. As a he's third, he's certainly not better than. Ruiz. No, no, yeah. I, 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 I'm yeah. comfortable with him as our third central defender. Third, yes. But uh, certainly but not as the second. Yeah, that. not as a starter. Uh, ideally, certainly not in a big derby match. And so, yeah, you would hope that that was something that you know he was really looking out for the team's best interest yeah, by not playing Victor Ruiz there, and of course Nkudu. Nkudu would come in as a substitute, uh, but we'll talk about that. Uh, as we go over the uh, the match itself, any anything else to say about this? Any comments on Fener's lineup? Maybe um, we should talk about Fener's lineup. Fener's uh, lineup. So they had Altai <laughs> Bayan in, in, in goal, uh, Jailson and Serdar Aziz on their back line with Nabil Dirar and Isla on their the wings of their defense. So that's a fairly uh, aggressive, especially on the wings uh, with Dirar playing on the on the back line. Tolga and uh, Luis Gustavo, Tolga Chigerji, uh, Ozan Tufan played on the wing and, uh, with Denis Turuc on the left wing, Ozan on the right, uh, Max Cruz behind Vedat Muriki, Muriji, well, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce that, but Murich, Murich, I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah, they say Vedat Murich is how they pronounce it. Yeah, I, th- I think it might be Murich. But so, yeah, um, I, I feel like it was a very quick, aggressive lineup. You know, Fener was clearly coming to ball. They were coming to attack. Uh, although Ozan yeah, it was on the about wing, I still don't expected. understand. Ozan played center mid, actually. Tolga Jirji played on the wing. Um, usually Ozan plays on the wing, but Emre got hurt kind of last minute. So he didn't play. So then Ozan dropped back in the midfield. And then... Um, Gary was Rodriguez was suspended and uh, Victor Moses was also unable to play. So it was like the two speedy wingers and Emre was out. So that's why there's a little bit of a show. Yeah, playing a central midfielder on the wing. Uh, but so I mean, whatever. It can't be criticized in the end. Although I guess let's 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 talk some football. 
so as far as the timeline of events goes, the, the, the match started ugly, I think. We were kind of on the back foot from the get-go. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, and it didn't take long. In the 23rd minute, uh, we would Fener would be awarded a penalty. Um, Ravosho handled the ball. There's a lot of review of it. Uh, there's still some debate. Some people say that the, the, the ball's trajectory didn't change from the contact, so it wasn't enough. Uh, I haven't heard much debate as far as like whether it was intentional enough. But for me, I, at the time, I thought that was kind of should have been an issue. Uh, although I guess his hands are extended out from his body enough that. Um, anyway, I mean, what were your thoughts on the penalty itself? I mean, it was a harsh VAR call. Like it wasn't. It, I don't. It didn't really affect the play. But we've seen that co- called before where. The handball has nothing to affect the play, but it did. I mean, it like grazed his knuckle or something. But it, it did cha- put spin on the ball, which maybe the the cross would have came in to um, a player in the middle. So I guess technically it's a handball, but I'm not sure if it was clear and obvious enough to review. But clearly they thought it was. Oh, I, by the way, I didn't even mention that we're playing in the Shukru uh, Saracholos, which we haven't won yeah. in since. I think it's been like 10, 10 plus years. Oh, yeah. I think that was. Where was it? It was, I think it was Kasim Pasha who we hadn't beaten since 2014. Uh, we actually reversed that one finally. Uh, of yeah. course, not the Fener match. Too much, too much to hope for in this one. But yeah, so um, we haven't got a penalty in Fenerbahce Stadium since Guti scored. Oh, God, so. so anyway, but they should certainly have, and they did. Uh, Max Cruz converts, con- converting the penalty and giving Fener the one to nil lead in the 23rd minute. Uh, in the 31st minute, Jermaine Lenz would get himself a yellow. And in the 32nd minute, shortly thereafter, I think right off of the free kick on a little, you know, they, they brought it right up field. And Ozan Tufan off, off a nice little assist from Luis Gustavo, just hammers <laughs> it home. Yeah, it was um, a controversial goal because uh, Luis Gustavo and Ozan Tufan kind of like 2v1 uh, Diaby to win the ball in midfield. He lost the ball and then. Uh, Luis Gustavo poked the ball away, then Ozan Tufan scored from distance, but there was... There was talk of it being a foul, perhaps. Um, I mean, Diaby was alone for much of this game, and kind of in that scenario where he was sort of dribbling around, looking for something to do with the ball, and and often had it taken off him. Uh, I thought there may have been contact, but at the end of the day, I think it's like 50-50, you know, it didn't go his way. I don't, they didn't, did they even VAR it? No. They didn't they, he, he listened, but they just said, cool. Yeah. Rejuvenates the riff. So, that was it. In the 32nd minute, we're down 2-0. to nil, And I think at this point, most of us are already in a very dark place. <laughs> Emotionally, <laughs> mentally, psychologically. Uh, in the 33rd minute, Jenna Erickson gets himself a yellow card. I think complaining about that goal and the, the foul that was not called on Diaby. Much of the team was um, protesting, actually. I think Atiba especially, although, as always, Atiba complains in a classy way, uh, whereas others, like John yeah. especially, tend not to. Uh, Dennis Tudor comes up the yellow card in the 37th minute. Uh, things are looking a little different. Besiktas is, is on the move. And sure enough, in the fifth minute of extra time in that first half, and there was a lot of extra time because of all the, the goal scoring and protestations and VAR and, you know, for the penalty and all of that, Besiktas scored. Uh, John Erkin assisting Atiba Hutchinson, making it two to one right before the half. Uh, thought, give us your your color commentary on the goal, Evren. Um, another uh, free kick delivery or set piece delivery was taken by John Air. It was from the left side. Um, kind of just like, yeah, kind of like a knee height cross into the box. It went in behind the defense. Atiba made a good run. They lost. He lost his mark and just. Wasn't like a classic finish. It was actually in the middle of the goal, but he wrong footed the keeper somehow and had enough power on it. So, yeah. Um, so at this point, right, we're going into the half down a goal, but we've we've come back at least. I mean, how are you feeling at this point? Do you feel like we're in this match? Do we have a chance? Yeah, I was 
cautiously, very cautiously optimistic. I was hoping we could make some substitutions at halftime. Um, what sub were you looking for? Uh, Nkudu and Lyage, which was we did get them at some point, but um, in the end, I don't think it was. Sometimes you can't save some things with substitutions. <laughs> um, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, well, so sure enough, at the half, uh, Lijic would come in and Diaby uh, would come out. Diaby was having a pretty rough match, to be fair, uh, giving away that ball that he, he was looking for a foul on, of course, which led to the goal. Didn't help his cause overall, but also just generally he was... I felt alone, and this is problematic in and of itself because he was the guy playing behind a striker. So you could really point to Burak Yilmaz and his complacency and kind of static. Uh, he, I mean, he has yet to really show himself this season, apart from maybe that one match where he scored a brace. We just haven't seen it from him, and yeah, and so the mighty Kaiser sport. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that Diaby looked like he was out on an island for much of this match is really a bad look for the squad and their construction all, all around. Especially, I think, Burak and, and his role as far as, like, I mean, it, the one thing you expect from him, even when he's not in good form, is that he's going to run into space and, like, weigh down defenders. And so, him not doing that made, I think, Diaby's struggle all the, hard, all the more pronounced. Uh, and so I think, in a way, Diaby's the fall guy there. But uh, that's that's the move that was made at halftime. I mean, do you agree with my sort of analysis on that? Um, generally, um, I'm, <laughs> well, I do think it was partly the um, systemic issue. I definitely think Diaby was poor on the ball. Mm. No, he was. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, if you look at the numbers, I mean, he he wasn't like awful, but he definitely lost the ball more than he kept it. Um, all those but, things, but he was again. But didn't that was, feel that he was? Didn't it look like he was kind of on an island though? Like he didn't have much. He had nowhere to go with the ball. He was like running around, yeah. kind of darting around, looking for someone, and, and inevitably he'd lose it, which was partially often because of his bad pass, but also in in part often because there was there didn't seem to be much support for him. Um, Formation yeah, I mean, wise, I do think it was partially not his fault, but at the same time, I think Leitch looked better when he came on in terms of completing his passes and not losing the ball. So, I mean, definitely, yeah, no, for sure. And so, yeah, that was of note. So, Leitch came in, things looked better, but it wouldn't take long till in the 58th minute off of Isla, a nice assist, you've got to say. Ball drops to Muric, Vedat Muric, uh, who would put it away. Also a nice finish. 58th minute, Fener is up 3-1. to one, and, and that really felt like the nail in the coffin. G give us the color commentary on the goal. Well, I think it's worth noting that uh, about one to two minutes before, um, Burak Yilmaz had a 100% goal chance that he decided to uh, completely squander because Jailson fell over. Um, and he was by himself the wrong goal, tried to dribble the goalie and failed to do so. And then, yeah, um, I mean, honestly, that felt like, like we had done so much in build up up to that point. It felt like we'd gotten ourselves back in the match. And that really felt like the moment where it all came undone. I'll be honest. Yeah, Even before they scored. Within two minutes or so, uh, Isla made a good run. To the end line it almost felt like that was the counter to that miss or at least yeah. that was the, maybe that's like how it feels afterwards you know yeah. but um good run to the end line cut it back Muric just a little bit lucky the side foot finish squirmed under uh Karius's, uh legs he got a touch to it but not yeah. enough and it went in so yeah um i've got to say i've i've, I've I always felt like uh, Fener getting Mauricio Isla was uh, a bit of a coup on their part that was um, sort of glossed over often. We know we, we never really talk much about it. There, they, I think that transfer window, they had gotten so many players that that one came late in the window and it wasn't talked about as much as some of the, some of the other bigger names they'd gotten. But he's been steady for them. Uh, and I, I've always liked his game. You know, I, I've always felt it would match the Turkish league. Because he's physical but fast, um, bit of a 
snake, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but that fits this league. Um, anyway, in the 63rd minute, Nkudu would come in for Robosho, and, and that would be our sort of cue to go to the 4-4-2 that we've been sort of reverting to. One interesting note, in the 75th minute, Ferdi Kadiolu would come in for Denis Turush, which uh, many of our listeners will remember. We had pretty much like announced he he was coming to Besiktas. Uh, I think it was last summer, two summers ago. Um, so yeah, he would appear against us. Um, at this point, the game was dull. I think probably we looked the more likely, but still, Fener was really dangerous on the counter, and, and it, we were disappointingly not aggressive you know for a team that's losing in a derby by two goals i felt um and then he got a yellow card in the 77th minute sardar aziz in the 79th minute also got a yellow tall guy arslan would come in, in the 86th minute they probably hoped that he could score and just like put the you know, stab us in the <laughs> hearts funny. a little tall guy hasn't scored since um either the liverpool game or the cup game that was within a week of that that was the last time he scored a goal so Imagine he did score yeah. against us. That would have that would have been the knife in the heart. Uh, but anyway, so in the 87th minute, Umut Nair came in for Burak Yilmaz, whose game could be dubbed at that point a complete failure. And uh, that first minute of extra time, Jorgensen would come in for Tufan. I feel like that a club like Fener having a guy like Jorgensen who, who doesn't even start for them is like a flex. <laughs> uh, they're they're clearly in a better place than we are roster wise, you know, talent wise. Uh, you, you wouldn't have known uh, going into the to the match and looking at the table. But, um, yeah, that's how it would end. Three to one, Besiktas takes the big L, the Derby L, <laughs> big fat L. Um, thoughts, man. What do you have to say? Uh, we'll talk about stats in a second. I'll talk main stats. You can go into the advanced stats, but. Before we do that, like general summation, how, how did you feel about this whole thing? Um, well, we got um, although we got zero help from the refs, um, and we probably could have had one or two penalties, and then VAR didn't help us at all the entire game. And I think that's what more that most of the controversies around is just um, really disappointing to go into a game and us just not be very good. Um, Although things I mean, that should be the main come away, if, the, right? if we get a penalty or if Burak can score, you know, his 100% chance, you would think at 2 2, maybe the game goes different instead. We completely lost the momentum as it went the opposite 3 1. But at no point did we really look like the better we team. Deserved it. Um, the game plan was almost yeah, non-existent. I mean, uh, there's no build out from the back. Almost no Tiki Taka. El Nenis was looked completely useless. So I'm not gonna lie. It was Atiba at his big age of what 36, trying to carry the whole midfield burden on his own. Even scored. He even scored. I mean, um, just he literally did everything for it. The verticality of building from defense into midfield is still awful, which we saw from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I've complimented the El Neni Atiba matchup, um, but also commented on how unlikely it all looked. Uh, and sure enough, I feel like this is what, this is why it, it was unlikely to, to be successful because this is kind of what you'd expect, right? Side, yeah, I mean, too much I, sideways action. I can't imagine Arsenal put an 18 million euro buyout clause, and that's obviously not going to happen. It's, I mean, he doesn't, like, it's not like he's awful. It's just he passes the ball backwards literally every single time. And, Usually the midfielder next to Atiba is the more creative player, and he's the opposite. Watching Enzo Rocco trying to play spinning, splitting passes from the back was almost nauseating that Rocco was one of our better players. I mean, he's not awful on the ball, but if Rocco is the player trying to push the initiative, you know you have an issue. Oh, yeah. there's just It's just the things need to change. Uh, players need to change. Hopefully, I mean, maybe even coaching tactics have to change. I'm not going to say coaching has to change, but yeah. there's a lot. That would be a bold statement at this stage, but yes. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I mean, let's, let's talk about stats because I think the stats back up just how, I mean, so Besiktash, if the one thing we could always hang our hat on 
was possession. That was nullified for the most part. Uh, possession actually only went in best touch's favor by one, you know, one two percent, fifty-one percent to forty-nine. So just barely, and that's coming from a side that's down by two goals for a big chunk of this match. So that's really unimpressive. Um, another sort of change here: passes completed were three hundred sixty-nine by Besiktas to only three hundred fifty-eight for Fener. Now Fener completed their passes at a 73% accuracy rate, which is fairly terrible. But Besiktas completed their uh, completed only 75% of their passes, which is one of our worst matches of the season. So our generally solid midfield and sort of possession-based tactic was clearly undone by whatever Fener did tactically. So that can be deciphered immediately just from these basic statistics. Fener had 17 shots, six on target. The best shot is seven and two. Besiktas had two shots on target in a derby match. Two shots. <laughs> That's not fun. That was not fun to watch. Uh, Besiktas committed 21 fouls to Fener's 18. Three yellow cards there, two. I mean, what can you really say? Fener, uh, Fener was called offsides five times to Besiktas twice, which speaks to the uh, aggressive attacking nature of their plan on the, uh, on the day. Nine corners to best touches five. So certainly they were the aggressors in this match. Yup. <coughs> um, you have any advanced stats to add to that, Evron? Like, yeah. I mean, I have, those uh, stats tell a story, I'll say. Because I have my, uh, my more nerdy stats coming in. Um, I think just... Uh, some things I will show this individual duels one slash lost uh, Fenerbahce had a pretty significant advantage I mean nothing like absurd but 59 duels one to 48 lost obviously were the inverted so their individual battles went their way um, passes completed for bitch touch was almost the same in our own half to the opponent's half so when we were in pos possession it was largely meaningless possession uh, Fenerbahce had a much more, more of their passes completed in our half compared to their own half, so their possession was more progressive and offensive-minded. And obviously, if you're in the opposing half, you're more likely to score. That's pretty common sense. Uh, in terms of expected goals, um, including the penalty, they had a 2.38 XG. Ours was 0.59, which I think is a little bit lower because um, Burak didn't actually shoot the ball when uh, right before his goal. So that probably would have brought us to about 1. 1.1, 1.2, but still they had a better XG than us. Um, our XG in the open play was 0 0.02. So basically all our chances except for that Burak one came from set pieces, which on then he had one chance and uh, Atiba scored the one. Um, in terms of our passes, John Air played the most passes, um, which I'm not sure if interesting something we want. Um, no, definitely not. Considering he's on the wing anyway, right? yeah. you definitely want that ball to be held somewhere in the Usually midfield. Would... I mean, obviously, when you have two defensive midfielders in, that's going to be uh, harder to predict, I guess, in that re in that sense. But man, uh, yeah, Lens was a, shouldn't be Janair. You, you'd hope it would be Liajic or Diaby, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, typically it's that ball playing midfielder next to Atiba, but um, yeah. uh, and then he's not really been. He doesn't even look like he's he wants to get guy. on the ball half the time. Um, I mean, to, in his defense, he shouldn't be that. He, he should be the replacement for a team, yeah. and there should be someone who's more of a central midfielder. This is a problem that we've talked about a lot. Uh, <laughs> I don't think persists. he can replace Ativa when Ativa consistently outperforms him. That was, uh, the, well, the yeah, that's, I mean, but he's 36. Well. For percentages, and then um, in terms of XG chain, which is uh, passes leading up to shots. Atiba was our best player. No, I mean, he's... I don't think one could... I don't. I, when I say that he's our best player this season, I don't think I'd get a single argument from anyone I've spoken to about Bastion Josh regularly. Uh, I mean, who, who's had a better season than Atiba for Besiktas this year? All in Maybe all. Maybe Vita? Maybe. Maybe. I don't even think so, honestly. Because remember, Vita had a rough start this season initially. I mean, it's it's insane that we're saying this about a 36-year-old. The guy who probably said the same thing about like three years ago, four years ago. Anyway, 
here we are. Um, I guess wrap wrap us up on Fener, man. Is there any, is there a bright bright? Is there a silver lining to this? Did anyone play okay? Um, Atiba. Besides, I mean, besides Atiba. Um, <laughs> mm, I guess John Air was probably he he did his his usual. Let me cross as much as I can because I can't do much else. Um, and it it sort of worked, but I don't think that is. It barely worked when we had Quaresma, who was just, I think we can all agree, in his prime, which was a far superior attacking player. So to put the same role onto John Air at this point is probably not the best thing, especially with, you know, Abdul Abjath, or we're promised, you know, a system, oh, all this fancy technology, baby, futuristic coaching. No more, uh, Channel Ganesh 4231 Quaresma 4, that's what we're all promised, but. Intense. I mean, I think we can definitely say that when we are starting uh, John Erkin and Jarman Lenz on our wings in a derby match uh, in 2019, no, right? Like after Jarman Lenz has pretty much been destroyed by Shannon Ganesh systematically for years and, uh, you know, kind of proven himself to be at best kind of depth for us on the wing. Um, to, to be starting in our most important match of the season to date, uh, that's 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 big. That's big problem, <laughs> big problem. And Janera being on uh, being the opposite guy, uh, considering that we invested in our wings quite a bit. Uh, yeah, no good. This no good. Uh, any any other points about this match before we talk about the table? Um, well, I don't think we can support not playing Lyich anymore, even if he's out of form. Just, uh, Pretty clearly, we're not better without him. And then um, with Dorukan out, something has to change in that defensive midfield position because Elneny and Atiba is not it. Uh, I would just say Atiba is fine, but um, yeah, I mean that combo looked good for like four matches during that stretch. <laughs> it looked but, okay. Uh, it's, I, it's I don't think it's undone. ever looked looked good. I mean, it looked good relatively, right? Like that's what that that was like what we had going for, but uh, it it wasn't supposed to be sustainable, right? Like playing with two defensive midfielders especially in the, in the super league right we're besiktas we're not like if in the champions league perhaps there's some sense in you know having to focus in that regard on, on sort of defense in the midfield but what are we supposed to make of the fact that we're doing this against like mid-table sides in turkey yeah, um but so Let's talk about the standings here. Let's let's talk about where that leaves us. We're, we're going to be playing Genschler, as I mentioned, in our final match of this first half of the season, uh, which I'll preview a little bit after this. But in the standings right now, after 16 games played, Besiktas is in fifth place with 27 points. Behind now, Fener, who have 28 points, they passed us by beating us. Behind Trabzon, who has 29 points, Bashakshi here on 30, and so that those are the three teams that are within striking distance. You know, in just one week, if things were to go our way, uh, we could theoretically end this season still in second place if if those three sides managed to drop all their points and we we didn't. Um, I don't know how the goal differential works out or so. If I'm, not, I'm not even sure if that's true, to be honest. But in theory, we could go up as high as second, maybe third, if everything went our way uh, going into the break. Uh, but that would require a lot of good luck. And still, it wouldn't put us on top of the table because still up top. What the hell is going on? Sivaspor with 34 points. Sivas. <laughs> Yeah. seven points ahead of us now. Best we're, we're losing ground. Can we even catch them? <laughs> uh, mathematically. Sivas. Now, obviously, uh, there's a lot of season left. There's a still the entire second half of the season. In fact, plus one match. Uh, I still expect Sivas to come to earth. What's the expression? Uh, fall back to earth or whatever it is. Drop. What is it? What is the expression? Nice. Come back down to come back down to earth. Like the, come back down to earth. Jeez, there it is. Um, I'm still expecting that, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Going into the, we can definitely say that 
come the halfway mark of the season, they will be in first place because they have a four-point lead on yeah. Trabzon. Or sorry, on Basakshi here to be on top. So they are going to end the first half of the season as the uh, midway champs. So I don't really know what to say about that. Besides congrats yeah. to like the 18 fans in Sivas. But man, what do you what do you know? What do you, so... Yeah, there we are. That's that's where we stand going into this upcoming match against Genschler, um, which will be on Friday. So stay tuned for that one, folks. We have that one coming up pretty soon, actually. On Friday, December 27th, uh, it's 12.30 for those of us here in, uh, in the eastern United States. So I believe that means... Uh, 5.30 or 6.30 for Khan in Western Europe there, and then maybe like 7.30 or even 8.30 in <laughs> Turkey. So we're back to normal for us anyway. No more 5 a.m. nonsense. Yeah. Was... Um, a lunchtime match. That was tough. During our holiday break, so at least we'll, we'll all be home. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts about Genschler and, and where we are right now? I suppose we should talk a little news before we end this episode, but yeah, I mean, preview this one for us, um, Evran. Genshler, I really... Uh, so remember, no Burak, right? Burak yeah, is Burak out. is out. Um, hopefully Ruiz will come back in the 11. And uh, personally... I th- and Nkudu. Personally, I think Oosan should be given one more shot in that defensive mid-roll next to Atiba. Um, and then hopefully... And Kudu can start, yeah, Lyage can start, and then whoever he wants on the right, not not John Air on the midfield again. Um hopefully I mean we're at home. Just get the win. Don't play like trash and then uh reconvene for uh second half. Yeah. Uh that sounds about right to me. Definitely. So um yeah, let's talk a little bit of news then. Uh, Evron, I, I feel like I, I've just talked so much. You should tell us the news. Tell us about what's up, I guess. So we mentioned briefly Bernard Mensa. Give us a little, you know, feed us in as the, the native Turk speaker here. Um, the real Turk. I guess, well, uh, Kaiser Sport, where he plays, is obviously struggling. They're in last place. Um, all their players are leaving. They're big names. They're not getting paid clubs in complete disarray they paid 3.6 million to sign him permanently um and now there's rumors that he'll leave in january either on a free transfer or cut price because supposedly he's not being paid so bishash and galatas are both interested so um he's um and so he is a central midfielder he's playing more in the number 10 role for kaiseri but um he could fill that role that you were talking about how we need to give ozan one more shot yeah that could solve that problem certainly potentially um We, you and I, I'm not so sure about Khan, uh, we wanted to see us sign Azubuike, I remember at the beginning, in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he fits that kind of uh, the African <laughs> void that we're missing. I yeah, think, he's a little, team bit, right now. a little bit different. Uh, less. No, less I just mean on the, uh, he's African. We, Boy, we don't yeah, have yeah. any Africans. We need an African <laughs> player. Um, I don't, you know, I have no idea why. We need to, you know, to, 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 yeah. to check off a diversity box. My no, personal I, I don't African know. pick for that position is Etebo because um, Stoke City can no longer afford him. As I mean, hey, we should have more than one African. So, uh, I like, one of the I like to loan one him in with an option to buy the Nigerian, but... Let's get them both. I'm not a sport. Let's get African, them both. Uh, yeah, and Mensa makes sense financially, I suppose, because of all the, the side stuff that you mentioned. Um, uh, another bit of rumored gossip that we can talk about, and, and we'll obviously have more of these kinds of conversations in the off season because th- that's when all the news will be coming in hot and heavy. Uh, but supposedly, uh, this is the bad news side of the transfer window. Certain folks are on their way out. Orkan Chinar, goodbye, possibly, probably forever on a permanent deal. Muhayer, we're looking to loan out, I believe. And uh, Ozan is, is a goodbye scenario. Supposedly. 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 <laughs> and Tyler Boyd as well. Now, I can't speak to the veracity of this. This is Besiktas International 
goons that are uh, sort of spreading information or misinformation. It hopefully is. I, I personally feel that giving up on Tyler Boyd now would be a terrible decision. I think he's at worst our third best winger on the roster at the moment. Um, I think Unkudu is number one. Uh, sadly, Lijic is probably number two. And then I think Tyler Boyd, I, I still have him above German Lenz. Maybe yeah. not as far as form, but certainly as far as like value and kind of overall ability, uh, potential, all that stuff kind of wrapped into one, you know, you know, thumb up or thumb down. I would give it to Tyler Boyd. Same, um, so I feel like that would be a terrible decision. So hopefully the veracity of this is null and there is none and this is just nonsense. Um, Doruk, I blame you for this if it's not true. They're all uh, And I just possible. blame you for most of my problems in general, Doruk. <laughs> if you're listening. I'm just kidding, you jerk. Um, but yeah, there's another bit of news and I'm going to hand this one to you too, Evron. Uh, there's Ahmed Nur Chebi talk as far as the referees and the Fener match specifically, but maybe a general uh, complaints as well. Yeah. Um, our president came out in a press conference and said that uh, he wants the uh, VAR tapes or conversations from the game to be released. He wants more transparency and that the uh, refereeing has been um, a scandal. Uh, he claims is very slanted against Besiktas, which there is statistical evidence to suggest that fact, as well as uh, visual evidence. But, um, I mean, this is the, probably the first time we've complained about refereeing since, I don't even know. Uh, last time I think we complained was when we protested that Fenerbahce game. And the- yeah, it's a, it's a sad reflection of the sport in Turkey that the one of one of the central roles of a, of a team's president is to kind of publicly complain about refs. Uh, and I think it's a precedent that's been set by, um, I would say, mostly Galatasaray, although Fener has done it quite a bit, especially in the old days of Aziz Yildirim. Yeah, Gala is um, the chief complainer. But, but Galatasaray, yeah, I mean, they've always been the instigators in this regard, and they've really set this standard of presidents having to kind of come out and complain publicly. Um, obviously, the main problem here is are the refs themselves. Uh, I I find it hard to believe that Galatasaray would be the ones who set that precedent, given how often the refs seem to help them. Although I think, all in all, I've always felt that Fener had the most help from refs historically. Um, so it's sort of fitting that this would come up after a Fener match, I suppose. Um, but yeah, man. Thanks for the news, Evron. <laughs> the translation. So, Evron, I think that's all we've really got to say this time around. Obviously, stay tuned for Gensler and, and our final uh, match review of 2019. Um, stay tuned for... Uh, we have some great off-season content for the new year. We're going to do a um, Team of the Decade episode. Obviously, Evron, you'll, you'll be back for that. Uh, and Khan will be back and we're going to get kind of after the beeps and messages from some of our favorite listeners and Touch international contributors and all of that the twins, our Scottish twins uh, hopefully we'll make a return in that, in that segment but so yeah, we'd like to hear from you the listeners about who your you know, all time or favorite Touch 11 is from the last decade that is from 2000 to uh, 2010 to 2020. Oh my god, I'm so old. Um, but so yeah, uh, I'll leave reminders of that in the notes for this episode and up on Twitter. Um, preview real quick, Evron. What's who's your top player of the decade? <laughs> like we don't know. <laughs> of course, it's uh, Evron. If you have player this yet, <laughs> player of, of of all time, maybe of right? Quaresma, your boy. Of the millennium. Um, of the, of the, of the galaxy, up. probably, <laughs> right? Because um, we know someone's playing this sport somewhere else, and he's better than them, too. Uh, yeah, no, okay. So that, that that's a little sample of, of what you're going to get. <laughs> like we didn't know. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow my man Evron here, at fan of BJK. No underscores, right? No. 
fan of BJK, follow myself at Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. You can follow our other uh, contributor, Khan at Razarian, R A double Z E R I A N. No Zeds on this podcast today. We say Z uh, the proper way. Uh, besides that, follow us, uh, follow the podcast at Eagles underscore podcast. You don't say Zed, do you, Evan? No, sir. No, sir. Come on. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. English speak. Brit speak. Um, all right. But so, yeah, I'm going to take us out here. It was a pleasure chatting with you guys on Christmas Eve. Uh, you hear the Christmas bells ringing, of course. Um, as uh, we take us out of this episode and almost take us out for the year. Uh, I do believe we'll be back for one more episode this year. Um, stay tuned. Everyone, hope for the best for Besiktas against Gensler. We need these three points at the very least. As always, let's go Besiktas! You did it. You did it, everyone. Did you hear about going to Arabia? Yeah. Sucks. I would have left maybe like four years ago. Yeah, no more money. No more money left in the tank. I mean, how much could you need? I guess probably four or make five. that step. Yeah. Plus, there's the power of transfer. They always say they have no trouble. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.